Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next conversation is with a South African filmmaker who's going to be premiering her new film, High Fantasy, at the Toronto International Film Festival, world premiere, actually, and it's a very interesting film. I don't know if I'd want to call it experimental, but the whole film was shot on an iPhone, and and I think from a technological perspective, you need to see the film, but more importantly, I think you need to dive into the story and what actually is unfolding. It's a road movie like you haven't seen before, it seems to me. And uh, it's been said that, that Jenna Bass is uh, our guest today is a, is a part of the, the new wave of South African filmmaking. And I totally can understand why. This is a film about relationships and prejudice and technology and, and reconciliation. Jenna refers to it as a selfie film. What does that mean? Uh, we talk about anger and sexuality and politics and race and power and oppression. And can reconciliation ever really happen? And, and, and how we're all uh, sort of in this together and equally responsible. She, she refers to the film as a political satire, and it's really quite brilliant in its uh, making and uh, the, the cinematography. The, film, uh, the, 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 the photography is, is just, it's remarkable uh, when you start to think about uh, how this film was made. It's, it's, and it's a part of, which was kind of interesting and new for me, part of the body swap genre. And uh, you're going to have to listen in to find out exactly what that's all about. But it's a film you, you, you're going to want to see and a conversation I hope you're going to not only enjoy, but listen to right now. Coming right up, Jenna Bass and her new film, High Fantasy. Don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing and speaking. Also, face-to-facelive.ca for all of my interviews and rabble.ca for more info about all things political and social. Coming right up, Jenna Bass, High Fantasy. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by another very special guest today, uh, filmmaker Jenna Bass is here with us to talk about her new film, High Fantasy, and I think she's she's actually sitting a long way away from us currently. We are not sadly face to face. Jenna, thank you so much for for joining us today. That's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So you're currently currently in South Africa. That's a big place. Where where actually might you be if we had a GPS we could find you with? 
Um, well, that's a little bit scary. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, I'm in Cape Town. Um, I hope that's that, that's specific. Um, I could tell you the suburb, but I don't know if that's going to mean very much no, to that's um, fine. anyone we, listening in Canada. We, but uh, yeah, Cape Town. We don't need that much detail. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to still marvel at the fact that you and I are even having a conversation right now that's clear yeah. and that's not costing me 125 US dollars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty Amazing. pretty remarkable. Hey, listen, congratulations on High Fantasy. What a remarkable film! I just I, I was astounded by 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 not only the 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 technique and the uh, and the more I found out about how you filmed it, and I and I really hope you'll you'll tell us a little bit more about that. But also, uh, the, the 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 story and the way this unfolds in front of us. I mean, this is a film about pretty much everything. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't know that you leave any issues out in this film, and, and you tell it in a really compelling and an engaging and entertaining way. Can, can, can you talk a little bit about, without too many spoilers, can you tell us a bit about maybe the story, and then we could go from there? Sure. Um, so it's, um, I guess, I'm kind of calling it like a political satire that's um, shot on phones, like a, like like a like a selfie so it's a selfie movie um and it's um about a group of four young south african friends who go on a camping trip together um and they kind of in their friendship group they represent different genders different races different kind of like you know different kind of like symbols of like this of the new generation of south africans and um they travel up to this very, very isolated farm in our Northern Cape province where it's, um, you know, just this farm where there's absolutely nothing around them. And they wake up in their tent to discover that they swap bodies and they have to kind of deal with the kind of very complicated, like, situation they find themselves in. Not only do they not know how to get back into their bodies, but they're also stuck with all the kind of baggage of post-apartheid South Africa and the so-called rainbow nation that they're supposed to be living in where everything's supposed to be fine between them, but it's absolutely not. Um, yeah, so it's a yeah film that deals with everything in the sense that, you know, everything is related to everything. You know, a lot of these issues are politically connected. And um, yeah, no, I, I, the body swap premise was a way of exploring that. So, so right out of the gate, I, I mean, I couldn't help but think of uh, Blair Witch uh, Project <laughs> way back when with the, the, the way <laughs> the camera was kind of turned on. I, that was kind of the first sort of, cinematic mm-hmm. selfie in a way i suppose mm-hmm. that was really used in a in a, in a in a in a long sort of format but you really take it to another level because you've got each yeah. one of these characters kind of filming themselves uh editing mm-hmm. themselves it's it's got there's a documentary like edge to it then you of course you've got the subject matter i mean i just wrote a quick list memory identity prejudice history respect friendship reconciliation, politics. I mean, the, the list is real. So so what the heck is this film about, Jenna? <laughs> um, well, I think it's a film that kind of relates to a lot of, in a way, very specifically South African problems that are as a result of, you know, not just, you know, our apartheid era, but, you know, the you know the, the years of colonialism and kind of exploitation of our indigenous people over the past few hundred years um but that is not at all unique to south africa i just often Mm. think of like south africa is this like we have we have these things in a very extreme and very visible way whereas i think other countries are perhaps better at covering it up or have better like pr you know um whereas in south africa these problems are so vivid that you can't really ignore them um and so by kind of highlighting them yeah um and the way that they're all connected and that you can't really have a conversation here without about race without talking about land without talking about gender without you know kind of having all these discussions together and realizing the kind of really like systematic oppression under which most of the population is living um that you know like this is this is a very south african story but it's also like absolutely not unique to here unfortunately Mm. 
Um, and yeah, it's been really, really interesting to hear people who've watched the film from other countries kind of drawing parallels. And it was also interesting when people refuse to see the parallels because right. just because these things might not be visible to you in your bubble does not mean that your country is not like, you know, just as messed up as we are. So, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, I can give you the synopsis, but then when it comes to like giving a synopsis of the themes, it's actually a lot more complicated. Absolutely, yeah. As as are, you know, uh, I suppose any sort of history uh, or, or, or just even relationships. And I mean, I think you tease that out so beautifully the com- the complex mm-hmm. nature of, of 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 growing up of of having friends of having different different opinions i mean i mean uh, it seems like to me on a certain level this film is about so many things to me and and again congratulations on it and 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 but but one of the things is you know is this about listening you know i i found that some of the characters in the film really i didn't i didn't get the sense they were listening to each other mm-hmm. especially once the, the 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 body change, the, once the shift had sort of mm-hmm. taken place, there was there was just so much anger, and mm-hmm. or at least it seemed like anger on the surface. Maybe it was just this: wow, what that what 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 has actually happened here? And now uh, I'm being flooded with all these questions and all this uncertainty I mean, about mm-hmm. you know, frankly, what things that most of us are dealing with who haven't switched bodies with other people. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, that's a very interesting point because, um, you know, I think part of the thing that also motivated me to kind of tell this particular kind of story within a kind of body swap genre was just the the kind of body swap films that I had seen, which the usual, I mean, unless they're a horror body swap film, which is not like kind of like a very small amount of most body swap movies from what what I've seen, um, they're usually about like, these two people don't understand each other. Right. They, they need to switch places and and learn about each other in order to understand and reach reconciliation. And that's essentially been this narrative of our country. Um, you know, we've had, you know, um, it, like spectacularly traumatic history that has been supposedly reconciled. Mm. And, you know, we've had... We've literally had a Truth and Reconciliation Committee in which people listened to each other and were supposed to actually then understand and forgive and forget. And that has been completely unsuccessful, um, if we can judge by, you know, the current kind of status quo and the way that people are feeling. Um, And so I think, you know, for me, it is very interesting to explore the fact that listening to somebody, even if you aren't listening but if you even if you are listening like beyond a certain point what good is listening if you're not doing anything about it right um and so um yes the characters are not listening to each other but i think it's also because they've been listening for so long without results um and listening for something that's never going to come so are they they're kind of jenna are they listen are they listening are they listening without empathy do you think is that kind of way maybe what's missing <sighs> i don't know i mean I suppose it's like who who should be empathetic to who because right. I mean I think you know like <laughs> I think that's the thing is I mean I think what what we think about the body swap concept is also is like these two people people are equally equally you know in a in a in a difficult situation and they're equally responsible to get out of it right and that's really the question is is that really the case and do we need to does everyone need to be listening equally right now or maybe has one person had the microphone for too long already Um, (laughs) and have they already told the story their own way for the past 20 30 40 however many years um and so that's really the question is i suppose who should really be listening to who at this point um yeah and i don't know if it's even about empathy at this you know it's it's about like practically like (laughs) 
rectifying sure. things that have not been rectified. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I absolutely do not have answers for yeah, sure. what, what should be done, but it's yeah, it's uh, it's very complicated. Lexi, at one point, I think your mm-hmm. your sort of you you cross cut the film with these almost these documentary like interviews, and mm-hmm. Lexi kind of referring back to her character and the shift and some of the changes she went through, and she says, you know, that's that's not really a question I want to answer right now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I kind of smiled and thought, isn't that part of the problem? That yeah. not not with her necessarily, mm-hmm. but with all of the characters, the country, and frankly, all of us. Really, mm-hmm. you know, don't even ask me the question because I'm not going to go there. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I do think that some of the character. I mean, at least um, you know, at the very least, one of the characters, uh, namely Polly, is uh, she goes there. Like, I think she she's answering these questions quite honestly, and that, of course, like you know, she's got a whole lot of other kind of personal baggage that you know is influencing the way that she's talking and what she's talking about. Um, and by no means like being like I would say the hero or like the like perfect person. Right. And, you know, like I, mean, I don't think any story should really have that, but. I do think that she's the one person who like confronts things mm. as they are. Um, you know, the only kind of way in which she sort of like p- panders is, you know, into towards the person who's asking the questions, which is me in the film and kind of like, she actually says, you know, like, okay, I don't know if, if you really want me to answer that question or answer, you know, it's like, you know, so she'll sometimes do things like that, but she calls a spade a spade. So right. I do think that, um, you know, that's the. I think that's the. That's the process of the, this our, our gen, like youth generation has is going through at the moment with our. I don't know how much you know about our um, kind of university protests over the past two years, but young people are basically saying we want to speak the truth. We want to say what's on our mind, and that's going to hurt people. But it's necessary. Yeah, I would say it's absolutely necessary. I would say it's necessary in in in. in uh... In our political positions we take, it's necessary with respect to the uh, our exploitative economic systems around the world, our families, you know. I mean, I, I was raised in a family that really didn't entertain a whole lot of questioning, you know. And, mm-hmm. and when you did ask questions and ask good questions, they were often just sort of ignored or swept under the carpet. And it tro- ultimately drove me to philosophy, actually, which is kind of ironic. It's, it's, it's entirely rooted in questions, it seems to me. Can you tell me a little bit about, about the, about the technology and the filmmaking itself? I mean, you know, did you decide to shoot it on an iPhone because you just didn't want to be bothered trying to find the money to shoot it differently? Or was it a really intentional kind of narrative choice in a sense? You know, there's a great moment and I can't remember who it was, but somebody says in the film, can you imagine the YouTube views we're going to get if we, (laughs) we were captured? You know, if we and then somebody said, "Yeah, that's the last thing that we need to be worried about right now." But it just struck me as, as such an interesting question in yeah. the context. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was kind of both, um, both you know, both alternatives you you mentioned. Um, originally, um, I, I mean, I knew from the get go this was going to be a micro budget film because mm. um, I wanted to make a film quickly, and the only way you can really do that is if it's going to be micro budget. So I was already prepared in my mind to kind of shoot it on whatever I could basically wrangle for free. Um, and a documentary filmmaker who I was working for at that point kind of offered to me offered for me to use his iPhone that he had. And um, so then I don't think he really I wasn't even sure if he meant it seriously because I think he in his mind it's like why would you want to shoot your, shoot a film on an iPhone? But Right. Um, he said I could so I kind of I take these offers very seriously and I started thinking about it and then um, I just kind of decided okay we'll shoot it on the iPhone because it's what I've got and why you know as you say why bother looking further if we've got a camera that's going to work and it will probably be sufficient um, and then I kind of realized um, 
wait, actually, this is perfect because this is the generation that we're speaking about. This is the tool that they use. This is the lang- like the visual language that they're used to. Um, and if you were going to swap bodies with someone, the first thing that these people would do would take a, would be to take, take a selfie, basically. Right. Um, so it ended up being, once I kind of connected the dots, it became something we really explored and like the, the kind of aesthetic and technical language of, phone like uh, camera phones became like something we really explored and tried to use on multiple levels all the time it's almost like they'd be taking an anti-selfie isn't it because it was they'd be taking a picture of somebody who was no longer themselves anyway that's just a weird idea but anyway (laughs) that's a really good question yeah yeah that's funny but you know what's so beautiful about your film you could you can watch this and just kind of come away and go wow that was great had a great time and 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 come back to it i i think i think you know, uh, uh, students can, will be able to study this film. I think you could, I mean, we could, we could write essays about these, you know, it's, we, we, we joked a little bit about not having enough time for, for our interview today. And I think I'm already starting to feel that frustration. It's really, really wonderful and remarkable, uh, and utterly brilliant that you shot it on an iPhone. I can't believe the photography. I mean, it's stunning. Some of the images you have are absolutely gorgeous. It's funny though because I mean I, I was actually saying this to someone earlier. Like uh, now that you know we're promoting the film and getting it out there, I've had a lot, quite a few people have been saying to me like, "Wow, the film! I can't believe it was shot on a phone. Like it looks so good." And I'm like, when we buy our phones, we all check the specs. Like we know what our phones are capable of. Many of us <laughs> have iPhones. Like we should uh, we should not be surprised. That's you know? right. Because we all we buy these phones because they're fancy and because they can do really great things. And I think it's more just like the amazement that there's this kind of unspoken rule that you have to shoot films in a certain way, more so than it is that we don't think that this device is capable um, because we know that it is, you know, we, 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 we checked all the reviews online. So like we know what it is. Um, so yeah. Um, I mean, well, I'm I love, very- I love Jenna, how I love Jenna, how that even in itself is, is speaking truth to power. You know, um, you know, we don't we don't need all your, your, your technological crap. We can, we can, we can manage this on our own. Thanks very much. We've got we've got it in yeah, our hands. Yeah, well, no, exactly, exactly. I mean, for me, I mean, for me, I'm making films. I mean, I do make films in my kind of more conventional ways too. And like, my next project is something more along those lines. But I think it's really, really important to like you can't. You know, we are in. A, I, I work in a film industry where there's very, very little access to resources. Mm. Like, there's a few people got access, and sure. then most people don't, and that is stopping them from making films. So it's very important to me to figure out how to make films in a way that not only I can do, but that other people can do as well. Um, and so shooting on phones is like something that, I, you know, I've been kind of wanting to explore for a while because it's something that people can do. And maybe my the phone that we used was fancier than a lot of other people's phones, but you could still do it on a smartphone. Um, it's not a reason to not tell your story, basically. It's beautiful. Love it. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the aerial shots? I mean, are the gods, in fact, crazy in South Africa? <laughs> is this what's happening here? Some sort of nemesis going on? Is this? Uh, is is it the forefathers? But I love the aerial <laughs> shots, and I, I love yeah, I love the way you use shadows. I mean, it's just it's yeah, stunning. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, similarly, like with the drone shots, um, so that's the only part of the film that's not shot on our phone right. is, is the drone. Um, and that was also because the, the same filmmaker kind of also like very casually said, oh, if you want to borrow my drone, you can borrow it. So I was like, okay. Um, so yeah, I kind of just take, when people offer me stuff, like I always tell people like, don't offer to work on my films for free because I will actually make you do it. Um, so, <laughs> well, we, now, um, we now have that on record, so we can, yeah, we can, we can no, get that I, out on the street. 
I paid everyone on this film. That can also be on record. Yes, um, nice. also, something that might interest you is also like the the film. Everyone, everyone was paid equally, and no matter what their like their role or their like level of experience. Because um, that was also something that's very important to me. Is like was like film structures that you know the way I was taught to make films are extremely hierarchical, with certain people having like super amounts of power and sure. other people just being kind of bossed around and like. That just it doesn't make me comfortable. Um, so the, in a lot of ways, the film was like quite a you know for me like quite an important social experiment to like see like how can how how can humans work together in a way that is not unjust. Um, and not to say that this film is like the be all and end all answer. And I'm I'm sure there's many many much work to do you know beyond what I just did. But um, yeah, it was part of like that exploration for me is like actually how do you be a decent human being? Mm. Um, yeah. Well, I think yeah, you must you must have some comments to make about co- collaboration and community and 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 I'd, I'd, I mean, how how long did it take you to shoot? How long were you crammed into the tent together and in, in the car and so on? You know, um, uh, was we we shot for about two and a half weeks um, in on location in the Northern Cape. So we all went up there um, and stayed there together and there's the farmhouse that you see in the film is where we all lived so we had to clear out all our stuff and then move it all back in and it was the cast and crew was 10 people so we were all staying in that house and um yeah two and a half weeks and then we came back and shot a few more days in cape town um which most of which is not actually in the film mm. the end so so you didn't you didn't you didn't answer my question about the gods being crazy is that is oh, that is I, that yeah, is, is there some <laughs> sort of retribution going on here well, I mean, yeah, it was sometimes I kind of like um, I, I, some decisions I make like intellect from an intellectual basis and some mm. I make from like an instinctual basis. Then sure. I kind of figure out what they meant afterwards. And that was something that because I had access to a drone, I was like, what could I do with this? And um, I kind of from my last film, my last feature also had a kind of similar device of um, it was also impro- it was also it was completely improvised rather than mm. partially improvised like this one. And improvisation tends to be very talky and like very busy and like sh- and often shouty. And I needed these you need a break in it, and it's very hard to find a break in improvisation when you yeah yeah when you're kind of in that zone. So I wanted a kind of way of just like giving breathers. Um, in the film and I kind of thought that these drone shots would be just one way of doing that but at the same time only I realized afterwards the poignancy of it is you know mm-hmm. the one of the major discourses of the film is that this is about land um, and we're going to show you the land like we're going to right. show you how much land there is and how much pain this land has caused and like how much you know life and death is caught up in the space you know that's just there and it's like way and what has been there for way longer than humans have been there so it's yeah i kind of want to kind of bring home the kind of gravitas of of the space and so that i suppose not that i i never didn't really i'm not really interested in why they actually swap bodies um but i do like to think that you know like this was going to happen in this place this place had something to do with it right Um, nice yeah yeah. Well, the phot- the photography is stunning. I mean, there's so many different places you could go. I mean, to say, and to say that the landscape is a character is almost an oversimplification. I mean, it's just, and I I love the fact that it was a, more of an intuitive, instinctual, intentional decision that you made. That that actually, you know, when you look back, you go, wow, that that is a part of the story. This is a part of the thread and the narrative, and that speaks to you. I th- I think as a director and to to where you're heading, and it's very Mike Lee, isn't it? I mean, isn't that? Oh my. <laughs> you're the first person to say my 
finally. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love Mike Lee. Um, like I, I often think that like I actually hope Mike Lee doesn't re- find out how much I love him because <laughs> he would actually be really disappointed with my films because I, I really bastardize his process. Like because I, I take huge amounts of inspiration, but I don't have. I never have the resources to really do the proper work that he does um, in terms of like six months of rehearsal. And so I I really, really butcher the way that he works, but I'm hugely inspired by it. Um, Yeah. So um, thank you for noticing. But I think also with the, um, the drone shot thing, you know, the other kind of instinctual aspect, I just really wanted to see like this giant pizza, like inflatable pizza from an aerial (laughs) perspective. That was really my motivation. (laughs) Which is just hysterical to me. That's a very absurd shot. The blowing up of the of the slice of pizza. It's quite wonderful. It's a it's an image that's going to stick with me for for some time. Um, is I mean, you've lived it. Uh, so many of us, I suppose, have lived it in a particular way. Canada, we've got huge issues with reconciliation and Indigenous First Nations, uh, Métis and Inuit folk. It's continuing to be a part of the conversation here, almost on a daily basis. Um, uh, is it even possible? You know, some people, some people would, you know, I remember working in Cambodia many years ago and somebody said something to the effect of, oh, Cambodia's problems will be solved with, you know, several hundred funerals. You know, so once those people in positions of power ha- are gone, we're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But it's, I don't think it's that simple. I, I think it's a little more complicated than that. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, to be honest, I, I definitely don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of sway from like being kind of somewhat optimistic, but generally I suppose pessimistic because mm. we're in a really, you know, our world, our world is in a very bad situation, but I mean, I, I don't know. I know less about the world than I know about my country. I, I don't even know that much about that. Um, but, you know, the film is interesting on that level because on one hand, you know, it was this collaboration between different people of different races and different backgrounds, and it's been somewhat successful in that we've finished it. It's, um, you know, it's going to Toronto. It's, you know, it's it's by by many respects, it's, it's a successful film, um, whether or not one likes it or not. But at the same time, the kind of outcome of the workshopping of the story, and which is about can these four friends reconcile is no, they can't. It's mm. like irreversibly damaged. And these four, you'd really, you know, like, I don't know, I guess I don't want to spoil the film too much, but like, it's a very bittersweet ending. And you really, I think a lot of people won't know how to feel about it. Um, so it's a kind of a yes and a no. It's like, it can work and it also can't work. And I really don't know. I mean, I suppose I do feel that there's no easy solution to this problem. I really think that we're in for a very like painful like period in you know continue. Well, the, our past is already painful. We're in for some more pain, I think, um, unfortunately. But um, I don't know how we can get out of it without kind of going through more, because the the, the damage is too too deep, too deep. I think. Yeah, it it seems it seems to. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I I I was speaking to somebody recently, a psychotherapist who talk who who's been focusing and specializing in transgenerational trauma and this idea that we we pass on kind of the the well the trauma the the abuse the the experiences that we've had, we pass that on to our children and our children's children and so on. And it just, it, it becomes a part of, I, I'm not a big fan of the phrase. It's a part of my DNA. It's too deterministic mm-hmm. for me. It doesn't allow enough freedom and choice, but, but I wonder to what degree that, that, that that's, well, it's going to be a factor, it seems to me, but for, for what, mm-hmm. I, what I love about your film is you're, 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 you're taking the hard questions on and you're, 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 you're facing them 
and and so are your characters and you know they're not they, they don't resolve it doesn't resolve things but but at least it's ongoing mm-hmm there's yeah, a- I mean, the, the, because, you know, without having the answers, all you can do is, like, set up a platform for the conversation to continue nice. so that maybe other people yeah. can have the answers. Um, and sort of, yeah, that's kind of, like, ultimately why I made the film because it, these things bother me so much and I just needed – I didn't know what to do about them, so I made the film. Um, there's a line, our national anthem um, and our, our flag is, 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 is BS. Mm-hmm. Do you think that – that's a South African issue? Do you think that most people around the world feel that way about their government, about their politics, about their history? Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Um, I don't know. Um, I suppose it would be a generalization for me to say yes. I mean, because I, I think that what his particular, like I, from what my understanding of what Tammy is saying when he's saying that is it is particularly related to the South African context, which is mm. our flag and our and our anthem and everything is geared around this concept of the rainbow nation which is you know a you know a false ending to a story that hasn't ended um and you know i i know he's referring to that very specifically but i'm sure similar parallels could be drawn to many other countries because you know i yeah i suppose what na- what do national anthems do they're like they basically say our country is great and that's we are right. and that's very seldom really the case I don't know too many countries we could confidently say that about. So, um, yeah, I suppose there are many, anyone who's sort of dissatisfied would, you know, some people will take, you know, kind of comfort in, in, you know, in the same way that we take comfort in religion, you know, like there is this thing that's greater than me and it is the country. Um, and other people are, you know, I suppose like oppressed by that, you know, that this country is actually like, it should not be greater than me. This country should be me. Um, yeah. Well, there's something, I think there's something, I don't know if it's ironic or paradoxical or just flat out evil about nationalism. You know, it's, it, it is about country. It is about flag. It's about us and not about them. It's about not, it's about, it's about pushing out the other, it seems to me, to some degree, you know, and then how do you define what, and how much, how do you define what the flag is and actually means and, and how colonial is it and how imperialistic and all these things, which are all issues in your film, which is, I guess, why I, I suppose I asked the question um, um, in the first place. You know, sadly, we're going to have to wrap this up soon. And I, and I know this is probably not the question to ask as we come to a close in our conversation. But the question that somebody poses in the film, would you choose to be white? Is, <laughs> is can, can, can we maybe created a university program around that question wow uh, <laughs> i think i think we, i think we need to you know and in I, truth I, I really don't want to be like a facilitator of it but you're very <laughs> that's right that's right yeah exactly who's going to come behind that administratively that's what i want to know yeah very interesting yeah um yeah it's a profound question right i mean it's yeah. a profound question on on so many levels i don't think it has anything to do really with whiteness but it's prejudice it's ra- i mean anyway there I threw it mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Um, in a, sh- I mean, sh- in that I should answer it, or um... <laughs> yeah, you have three and a half minutes. Okay. And I'll, I'll set the timer. Go. Well, I mean, something I suppose that I would say about it is that that all the interviews you see in the film are all completely improvised. Mm. So I and I was interviewing basically the actors as the characters. So we it was a strange thing where I was kind of being myself, and they were having to be their character. Um, and so that moment. Came, about, came up in the interview where I was asking these questions and these, you know, questions and I'm kind of really pushing this character, Lexi, into kind of like confronting mm. 
the hypocrisy of a lot of what she says. Right. And so eventually to the point where she like threw it back at me and she said, look, okay, you know, you're white, like you answer the question, you know, like, so, and, and I, I really wasn't prepared for that because I mean, I, this was meant to be an interview. So I was in this weird position of like, she's acting, I'm not acting. Um, yeah. So I kind of, so the answer that I give in the film is I, yeah, kind of like my answer. I, it's a really hard question to answer, but, um, and especially when you've got very limited time and you're also in your own film suddenly that's where right. you didn't but, go before. But that's also why I included it in the film because it, for me it felt like the most honest kind of like breakthrough of the movie um, in some, for me pers- on a personal level. You know, I don't know about the others. But um, yeah, that's why I felt it had to be in there um, because ultimately this film was made by you know, a white person. And that's something you know, that I realized more and more is like no matter how successful this film is, it's, it's a sad testament to our country that mm. I made this film. Um, well, I yeah. think it's I think it's a prof, profound question, deeply insightful on so many levels. It's it's uh, yeah, really quite remarkable. So there's a line uh, again near the end of the film, and and one of the characters says, um, and I get I get I, you know in a kind of a nonplussed way almost. Well, I guess we just go back to our normal lives now. And there's something that on one level to me is good about that, I suppose, you know, I've got family, I've got friends, I have a job, I, uh, I need to stay alive, I, I need to go back to my hobbies, etc. But on another, in another sense, there's something really tragic to me about that, 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 that the implication there is, okay, maybe we're not going to now really deal with the issues anymore. Um, because we've sort of, we, we're, we're now beyond this experience, we can go back to our normal lives in italics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just like the what we thought was normal is actually, I mean, maybe abnormal is not the right word, but right. normal, like normal is the new bad, you know. Uh, <laughs> right. So, like, um, yeah, we we it's normal, but it's not good. It's not making us happy. Um, and I think that's the kind of like ambivalence of what she says. It. It's like, yeah, I mean, obviously, I could go back to my normal life, so that's a good thing. But I definitely don't think she believes it at that point. Um, I think normal for her has become like practically intolerable. Um, yeah, as it is for a lot of people, unfortunately. Well, it's I love the film, Jenna. Thank you so much for for uh, for, mm-hmm. for 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 uh, for having the t- taking the time today to to, to chat, and and I, I really do look forward to a part two. I hope I hope we can do that. Hopefully, we'll get to meet face to face at the film festival. Okay. We've been talking to Jenna Bass today about High Fantasy, her new film premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival in the very near future. I love how you just said, Jenna. It's I think you said something to the effect of you know it's 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 kind of a story that hasn't ended. And and mm-hmm. isn't isn't that that's the beautiful part of being normal? This is this mm-hmm. is an ongoing conversation. It's an ongoing story. Story and and isn't that wonderful? Hmm. Or well, also scary. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's absolutely. It's hey hey Jenna, I was trying to go positive there at the end. Okay, no, I mean you are chatting to the wrong person then. Sorry. <laughs> Listen, what a delight talking to you. It's been such a pleasure, and 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 thank you again for taking the time. High fantasy. You have to go and see this film. Thanks for your time today, Jim. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your questions. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're 
so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. On Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.